Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Today's core parenting conversation is between myself and a core member. I asked members if anyone would be willing to share a tricky, sticky time in their family dynamics and figure out how to embed some play and connection into it. We ended up by finding some sweet ways mom and daughter can connect while working with mom's own discomfort around certain types of play. Let's dive into this conversation. Hello to this core conversation. I'm really excited for today's conversation because we're going to do it a little bit differently. Today, I have one of my core members here, Colleen. She lives in California and she has been gracious enough to come on and we're going to talk about embedding play in the bedtime routine which I think the bedtime routine is a super common challenge. Um, And so this is going to be really beneficial to a lot of people. Thanks so much, Colleen, for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So you have, we talked a little bit beforehand, and you have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter. And right now, bedtime routine, you said it's long, (laughs) it's drawn out, and it leaves a lot of room for, what would you say, power struggles or their big feelings? Or what does it look like right now in your house? Yeah, it just feels like we have to mentally prepare ourselves beforehand. And it just is, yeah, there's definitely power struggles. It feels like the younger, the two girls team up against my husband and I. And it's just, yeah, constant like battle. Also, lots of cooperation between the two of them. Not so much cooperation between the adults and the kiddos, huh? (laughs) Man. Okay. So I think this is a pretty common thing. You know, bedtime is really difficult in a lot of households because it really does lead up to that biggest separation for kiddos with their parent. And it also is a very vulnerable time. So where a lot of pent up stuff from the day or big feelings or even like pent up dysregulation, all that stuff starts creeping out and bubbling on top, so to speak. And it doesn't take much for it to all fall apart (laughs) quickly. So let's start. I want to start picking it apart. So tell me about your bedtime routine right now. Like what does it look like? Do you and your husband tag team it or what does the routine look like? So usually we start winding down with snack. So they'll be playing outside and then we bring them in for a snack. And then as they're picking up snack, they usually play a little bit more as they're trying to get their pajamas on. And then there's brushing teeth and flossing. And then uh, my husband will take one daughter and I will take the other daughter. And then we do our separate bedtime. So there's reading a book to my older daughter. And then my younger daughter kind of just talks and like runs around the room until she gets tired. Yeah, I struggle with my older daughter as far as her wanting to play and being rough and physical and 
wanting to play in a way that I don't find satisfying and I kind of get triggered and then it just feels like we're not connecting and then it makes that time last longer, I feel like. Okay. So when they come in and you divide and conquer, they come in for snack, they might play a little, you're getting pajamas on while they're playing and then you divide and conquer. So do you alternate who takes which daughter? Yeah. After after teeth and or brush and floss, then we alternate. Yeah. One night I take one daughter and one night I take the other daughter. Okay. And so when you get in their rooms, that's when your older daughter wants to wrestle around? She usually wants to, yeah, keep playing. She used to be more physical. Like she would lick me or, you know, just kind of jump and accidentally butt me. But she's toned it down a little bit, I think, because she realizes that I don't enjoy that kind of play. But it does it does feel like when she's with my husband, she's having a lot more fun. Like she's laughing a lot. Like I can hear them through the wall. And then with me, she'll say, you know, I'm bored. I can't fall asleep, things like that. So she does get the physicality, like the play, the wrestling, all that stuff with your husband. And there's not a lot of issue there. But that's just way far outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, especially at that point and at bedtime when we're in the room and usually when we're in the bed, I don't want to be doing wrestling or anything like that. That makes sense. So uh, another question, just because I want to see, you know, what the dynamics are when she's wrestling with your husband, does she calm down and like chill out afterwards and is able to decompress or does he still struggle with getting her to a place where she can relax and fall asleep? I want to say she does get to a point where she can relax and fall asleep with him. Would you say that like her, one of her love languages is physical touch? Yes. She really likes that. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So really the conundrum comes in. There's usually a couple of different things that can come from that physical play. It's a really strong connection. And there's usually some power play at play. So power reversal. So play is where kiddos get a lot of this feeling of power and control and where they process a lot of things because they're making the rules, right? They're in charge. They just feel really empowered as they're playing. So that's the great thing about wrestling and roughhousing coming from someone who also doesn't really enjoy those things. So I completely understand where you're coming from. But the great thing about roughhousing is right, you know, when they're like, oh no, you got me, you got me, you know, trying to find ways where the kiddos can feel still powerful. They can get some of that angsty stuff that I call it like that crackling energy out of their body. And she's still getting really strong connection with you. So this is great. These are some high power games that I love to play. And I'm going to give you examples of them. But here's the thing. There's a formula. There's kind of like this formula underlying and I'll explain what that is. And then I'll give you a really concrete example. But you don't have to use the same variables I use. Okay. So the concrete example is we need to have some sort of touch. Her love language is touch. There's also an element of suspense that she needs to have and that she probably gets from the wrestling or the roughhousing or whatever game she and dad play together. And that's really what she's looking for. And what happens is when we build this suspense into play, and this is some of my favorite, actually some of my favorite play to do with kiddos. And we'll talk about, you know, finding play that feels natural to you because not all play feels natural. (laughs) Um, But this is some of my favorites. So the suspense, what it does is it kind of 
builds them up to this edge of like fear. For example, with wrestling, is he going to get me? Is he going to get me? Oh, no. Right. But it's that fun fear. And then it's, oh, he got me. And then there's this release and it's this bond. It's this really strong bond and release of oxytocin, this bonding hormone that happens after that. So how do we kind of recreate that with the game that doesn't involve me like getting on the bed in WWE, (laughs) throwing her, tossing her? So there's a couple different things. And I want you to say, okay, that feels like something I could do or doesn't. So I'm going to check in with that. One of them, and this, I attribute this to my dad. Okay. He came up with this when we were kids and he called it three bears hibernate. And so he would pretend that we were all bears sleeping, hibernating in the bed. And the first bear to wake up the papa bear got attacked by the papa bear. And by attacked, I mean, you know, like, and then, you know, a little bit of, I would say gentle tickling or like squeezing or just the suspense of the bear waking up and roaring at them, whatever feels good. So that could be a bear. It could be whatever she's into. It could be like mermaids. It could be a tiger. It could be whatever her interest is. And then you go back to sleep. Oh, thank goodness. I'm so tired. I just want to go back to sleep. I hope nobody wakes me up because I'm so tired. And then what is she going to do? she's going to totally wake you up, right? Because that's the fun of it. So she's still getting that suspense. There's as much physicality as you want there to be. You can reach out and like sometimes just like grab her like, and then that's enough to give her a little jolt. And then, oh, I'm so tired. I'm going back to sleep and then rolling back over. So does that sound like something she would enjoy, something you would enjoy? Or you're like, that feels weird and awkward to me. I think I could see myself doing that. It's just a matter of what, at what point in our bedtime routine, because I feel like she could start screaming. And then if the younger sister's asleep, then I can wake her up. And when does dad wrestle with her in the bedtime routine? Before, usually it's right before snack. So calls them in, like they, if they're playing outside, they come in a little bit early before snack and do this. Usually they'll wrestle and then they might play outside and then have snack or they might come from wrestling to snack. Okay. So my dad actually plays this with my boys because he doesn't do, you know, like when we were little, he was doing bedtime routine and stuff like that. My boys, he does it on the couch with them. So kind of the same thing when he's over here, if they're transitioning from indoor play and I'm prepping dinner, for example, and he happens to be over, he'll bring him to the couch and maybe get him there with a story. And then it very quickly, usually transfers into three bears hibernate for them. The other idea that might be a little more natural and a little more fun just in that setting of in between is what I call, but there's probably a better name for it out there, the invisible game. The invisible game is just pretending like you can't see her. And here's the power play piece of this, okay? The power play piece is that you get to act like the worried mommy. Oh, no, I lost her. Where did Miss Six go? She came in from playing and now I have her snack ready and I'm just not sure where she is. What am I going to do, Dad? I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, I'm right here. I'm So she gets to playfully. Now, we're not parentifying our children. She's not actually rescuing you from the meltdown, right? But she's coming in and she's reassuring you, Mom, I'm right here. And then 
you get that big hit of now you've built up the suspense. You get this big hit of release, tension release and oxytocin. Oh, there you are. Let me kiss you all over. I'm so glad I found you, right? So that's a fun one that I really like to use for transitions. Because when a kiddo walks into a room or when you're in the middle of doing something and they're walking in, it's really easy to just start narrating it and then get a little more physical as you get a little bit more into it. Like I might even, you know, bump into her or sometimes if they're sitting on the couch, I'll go sit and I'll be like, oh, why is this couch so lumpy? Now I have a lumpy couch and I can't find my girl. I don't know what, you know, then they, "Ah, I'm right here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny they already do that at bedtime. Miss Six will hide from us somewhere and we'll have to look for her and she'll pop out and scream and try to scare us. Or both of them will, or one, like the younger one will run out of her bedroom into the older one's bedroom and scream and they'll hug each other. And Aww. so it's like they're already doing what you're saying that we should be doing. So I think if we incorporate that, it's a win and they love it already. <laughs> so let me explain this because I love when parents are like, oh my gosh, my kid is already doing that. Here's why. They instinctually understand this is how we get this need filled. That's why. Okay. So, and it really is, it's like a graduated, like a more mature version of peekaboo. So think of how much like, you know, peekaboo becomes such a fun game typically around like eight months, not, you know, an infancy. Okay. And then it really does carry over like toddlers. Still, you can get two, three-year-olds. They just love peekaboo. Then as kids get older, it typically quote unquote matures into hide and seek. And the reason why is it builds that suspense up. Like, am I going to find her? Am I going to find her? And then we get that big release, that tension, you know, release of, oh, there she is. And lots of belly laughters and what belly laughter. So here, this is the beauty of children. This is, I just, I am in awe of them all the time because they just so beautifully instinctually know that that's something that they need, they crave. And so they lean into it to find that. So if we lean into that with them, when it's appropriate, right? So not maybe while I'm trying to run around with the toothbrush, or even if they're doing it with the toothbrush, if I just give myself more buffer time so I can create that playful moment of, oh no, the mommy monster is going to get you. It decreases the power struggle and it increases the connection in those moments. I absolutely love that they're already doing that. That just tells me that this is right in the, the vein that they really need. She really needs. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. If you would like to learn more about becoming a playful parent and embedding playful moments of connection into your daily routine, you can sign up now for the Playful Parent Workshop happening July 27th of 2022. All registered participants will have the opportunity to join me live and access to a recording of the workshop that is yours forever. If you would like to learn more play-based parenting strategies, head to www.kayleekukla.com or go to the show notes to learn more. Remember, all core members receive access to all workshops for free with their membership, in addition to weekly support and personalized content. Learn more at kayleekukla.com. Now back to this core conversation.
the other thing I wanted to talk about that I think would be really helpful for listeners is this idea of how certain types of play can be really uncomfortable for adults. And so you mentioned that your daughter tends to be like super physical or really enjoy physical play and that that tends to trigger you. So I'm curious about like, what is it when you're triggered? What does that feel like? Is it scary or is it just you get angry or what does that look like? Yeah, I read a book about how to raise a secure child or something and they talk about shark music and how you can like hear the shark music when you feel triggered. And so when, when she gets start really physical, I kind of just have this sense of danger and I, I need to shut it down. And yeah. I think what's really powerful about that is your awareness. You feel the discomfort and you feel the need to shut it down. What I tend to do in these moments is... When you feel the shark music, and I love that analogy, and I do, I've read that in a couple of books, and now I'm hesitating citing because I don't want to miscite where that is from. But it's a great analogy because everybody knows that, dun, 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 you know, um, he's coming closer and going to bite. But it's fake shark music. You know, it's not real. There isn't that danger there. So in that shark movie, when, you know, you actually see it's just the shark head, right? You see behind the scenes in Hollywood and you're like, oh, there's no real big 20 foot great white shark eating people off the beach, right? It's not a real danger. We can remind ourselves and you catch yourself. There's something about that play that doesn't feel safe, it could be a you know a pattern of dysregulation around excitement from childhood it could be discomfort in just the noise or the energy it could be a lot of different things from past experiences but the first thing to recognize just getting a little more comfortable with it is to remind yourself that this is safe and i don't know and maybe you can give us like a concrete example of what she does how it escalates kind of but Instead of shutting it down, it's helpful sometimes to have like, okay, how do I enter it? And then how do we, and this is the other point I want to talk about, modulate it. So we don't let it get to a critical mass point where it feels like it's going to explode and boil over. But we're also not so dysregulated by it that we've just got to make it stop. And we get into this reactive place of like full-blown fight or flight. So how does she start it with you? So in the past, she's maybe jumped on my back when I'm like sitting on the floor or maybe she'll like mess up my hair or like lick me or something that I just don't enjoy. And then sometimes I'm in in the mood to play, but then other times it just feels like, no, I'm too tired. It's too late. We need to go to bed. We're not playing right now. Well, so if it's too late, you're too tired. It's not appropriate. Like, I think that's fine to put limits around that. But when there's other, I'm sure there's other opportunity where she's jumping on your back or wrestling, you know, messing up your hair, licking. I don't like being licked either. That's like a big one for me where I'm like, oh, please don't do that. (laughs) Or like rubbing the snotty nose on. I'm just like, oh, please don't. Um, Fair. So are you usually sitting on the ground or will she jump on you from behind when you're standing up? It's usually when I'm on the ground, like if I'm reading a story. Oh, okay. So a couple of different things that we could try for this, two things, depending on how, and it really depends on how you feel safe and what helps you. 
is one to, you can stand up because if it's this, I can't get her off of me. If it's this like claustrophobic experience of like, oh my gosh, she's on me. I can't get her off. Oftentimes just standing up for a moment and then giving yourself that freedom to move around can be really helpful. And then recognizing the fact that she wants to play or she's craving that physical input from you or that physical acknowledgement and rerouting it to somewhere where she can, if you're reading to your other daughter, is that when she'll jump on you? No, it's usually I'm reading to her and then she's kind of running around the room or not like sitting with me, but just moving her body. Okay. So you don't have the other one with you. This is like still on the bedtime routine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm thinking that maybe if she's running around when you're reading and she's listening to you while, like she's enjoying the story while you're reading to her, she's just busy. She's a mover. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have one like that. I understand that. And if you stop reading, they'll be like, hey, why did you stop? And it's like, well, it didn't look like you were paying attention, kid. Like, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I have one of those. I get that. Sometimes what I'll do to keep that engaged, and this is proactively, so let's say she hasn't jumped on you, is I'll use some playful pauses. So if she's running around the room or like being busy or whatever, and I'm reading, I might either fill in a nonsense word. So let's say I'm reading The Very Hungry Caterpillar. I'll take like a super common children's book. And The Patterpillar... Patter piddled his way and then kind of see. It's kind of like when you want to just mess around with someone and you start saying something that's like kind of ridiculous about them. Like, oh, yeah, then he bought a unicorn and we sailed off on vacation, you know, just to see if they're listening. That's kind of what I like to do. And then you get this eye contact, right? Then she'll kind of look up and look at you. And then you can make eye contact with her and do a really playful face. Like, oh, you caught me. You know what's going on. Those playful pauses, that's a little version of peekaboo. So it's still giving her that little bit of suspense, that little bit of playfulness, that little bit of strong connection that she's looking for. So she's less likely to run and ambush you, I guess we could say, from behind. Yes. And I'd also, I would try and do it in particular when she's like going up behind or sit my back up against the wall. And so then when she starts coming near you, open up and invite her to be close. Because it sounds like that either on your lap or sitting next to you, that physical touch would be really important to her. So let's go back to the jumping on outside of the bedtime routine, feeling like you're ambushed or feeling like when you're triggered and how to kind of reroute that and lean into that discomfort. Because I think that's really important. I think that rewiring, especially for something that is probably something in the past, there's probably some baggage there that you can reflect on and uncover. And to be able to respond to it, not just react, but respond to it is a really powerful way to rewire that. And maybe no one likes to be jumped on. Well, I guess I shouldn't say no one, but being jumped on from behind, I feel like it's a pretty hardwired survival mechanism. Yeah. Right. It doesn't feel safe to be ambushed from behind. I mean, you know, it didn't when we were in the jungle with lions and it probably doesn't as a mom in a house with a kid. <laughs> but being able to choose how to respond differently. So when she does 
physically, I would first use that strong reaction that comes to physically move yourself somewhere. So whether it's turning your body or getting her off or standing up and then reminding yourself that I'm safe, I can handle this, and she wants to play. It's okay for you to have the boundary not to jump on top of you. It's not safe. And it's okay to then say, you know, once the action part is so important because the action is going to be what you do with that surge of adrenaline you get with that reaction. And the thing I say is move first, talk later. So if you feel a really strong reaction right away, that shark music or that crawling out of my skin feeling or something, move first, talk later. So if you need to move away from the situation for a second and without saying anything and then remind yourself that, hey, this is safe. I can handle it. I just got myself safe and she wants to play. And then we can acknowledge it. And then since you've moved yourself away, let's say, or stood up, then you can turn around and you can be like the mommy monster. Uh, I'm going to get you go. And then it turns into a little bit more of a chase game, for example. Now that's not for bedtime. Totally understand. We don't want to play chase at bedtime. But that's one way you could start practicing rerouting it for yourself. Do you think there needs to be a level of hurt having power over me too to satisfy that need? Yes. So the mommy monster is one example. You could also be when you catch her. So this is what I do is when I catch them, I let them either like knock me over or I kiss them like, oh, come here. I want you to taste so good. And then, oh no, don't walk away so that she does have that power. There is that edge. Oh, the other fun game, this reminded me of it, is tug of war. So this is fun for two adults to play over a child. And you're kind of playing tug of war over... Now, okay, for any OTs or PTs out there listening, don't actually yank on your kids' arms. We don't want any like dislocation because their their little bodies are so hypermobile sometimes. But you know, very gently, oh no, I want her to come with me. I want to give her hugs and kisses. Oh no, I want her to come with me. And you get this like really fun, playful back and forth. And then someone ends up giving her a ton of hugs and kisses. So that's another little playful thing we can do. Sometimes I play that with my boys. If I'm just alone with the two of them, I let the other one tug and I tug and then I give them kisses. So that's another way to do it. I like that. That's a fun one. So real quick with our remaining time, the modulating the play. (laughs) Because when it gets super playful and they get all revved up, it can be really hard to wind them down. So I came up with this analogy because I grew up with my dad driving a stick shift. Did you grow up around any stick shifts? Okay, good. Yes. Okay, good. Because I really think it's the generation underneath us that didn't like their sticks aren't as popular, right? Like, I think so. Manuals aren't as okay. So I just remember being captivated by like watching my dad's hands move the gear shift in the car. But what would happen if you got the car, let's say, all the way up to like fifth gear, and then tried to gun it all the way down to first gear? I mean, it would stall the engine. I was like, I would just like picture the engine blowing up, like smoke coming, like (laughs) the car would be destroyed, right? (laughs) Not be good. Talk about grinding gears. So our kids are kind of the same way. We can't go from like a fifth gear and then be like, okay, we're done. 
and just like bring it all the way back to first, their brains are going to kind of explode. And it probably is a tantrum or them whining, no, mommy, please, no, one more, all that stuff, right? That's the engine exploding, so to speak. So what we need to do is we kind of need to modulate it a little bit. And what I mean by that is think of, and this takes some creativity on the parent's part. So I get that. The mental load, the creative load is real. Let's go back to like the invisible game, for example, or the hibernating bears. Let's use the hibernating bears. Oh, okay, baby bear. I got a lot of sleep, but now I'm going to want a story to help me wake up. Do you want to pick the story or can I pick my favorite one? So what I aim to do is I aim to embed the transition while still in kind of that playful character space. And I also try and give it a strong anchor point. So we're not just stopping the play and getting ready for bed because it's very nebulous, right? I'm giving them something very concrete to shift to. So we're getting the books. We're choosing the books to read together. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. You know, same with, oh, the invisible game. Oh, I'm so glad I found you. Now we can pick the books because I can't wait to see what you pick out tonight. Let's go. Okay. And now, and then when we're picking out the books, that's the task. So it's this very kind of trying to embed, how do I do it in the play? How do I kind of stay in the character? How do I keep and the essence of the game going while I'm switching gears? So now I'm just shifting down to like fourth or third, right? Now we just shifted a little bit and now we have a task. So their brain is able to shift onto that And now we're picking out the books and then it's, okay, baby bear, hop into bed and now let's read the story. So it's the same with any physical activity. We're going to slow it down a little bit first before we just outright stop. With music, if people are doing like a dance party, so to speak, I say, you know, pick your high rhythm fast, like can't stop the feeling, JT song, and maybe bring it down a couple notches with something with a softer beat. So we're, we've got to kind of think of how do we stair step this for their brain? Do you think your husband like naturally does that when he wrestles? Yeah, I think he has a really great sense of play and he just is able to tap into it whenever he needs to. And I'm always in awe of how natural it is for him. That's awesome that you have that. Because it is. Right? I mean, <laughs> I always say like my husband, he's just a naturally calm guy. And I'm not a naturally calm person. <laughs> so I, I have learned so much from him, watching him just stay calm under pressure. And what a gift watching someone get to be playful naturally like that. But I think what's really important about what you just said is a lot of this isn't natural. Like we don't just know how to do it. It really is a practice. I'm excited to, to change bedtime and see how the girls react and respond, or I should say respond to the changes. Oh, that's great. You'll have to keep me updated on how it goes. I definitely will. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, thank you, Colleen, so much for being willing to come on and just kind of share stuff about your family. And I find that having, you know, some concrete examples for people is super helpful because I think, and it also just normalizes like how many of us have bedtime struggles. (laughs) Right. 
of, of trying to juggle it all and, and still, you know, at the end of the day when everyone's tired and just wants to go to bed. Yeah, no, it's so nice to talk with someone about it and problem solved. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Kaylee. Take care. You too. Thank you so much, Colleen, for being willing to come on the show and have this conversation with me. I so enjoyed it, and I'm sure it was really helpful to our listeners. If you would like to dive deeper into ways to embed play into your daily routine with your child, like ways that Colleen and I discussed on this conversation, check out my upcoming workshop happening Wednesday, July 27th. This playful parent workshop will help you increase connection and decrease power struggles simply by embedding playful moments into the daily tasks you already do with your child. My big thing is I don't want to add to your to-do list. I want to transform your to-do list. You can register for this workshop at KayleeKukla.com or head to the show notes for the link. Thanks so much for being here. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a review, share it on social and tag me. This helps other people find out about these core parenting conversations. Meet you back here next week. Bye-bye.